Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, December the 9th, 2023. It is the first Saturday in Advent. I can't believe it's December 9th and we're still in the first week of Advent. Uh, We have a short Advent this year. Uh, But anyway, our reading today, it's also the Feast of Juan Diego, St. Juan Diego, the one who saw our Blessed Mother uh, when she appeared at Guadalupe, which we celebrate only three days from now. Big feast. Uh, Today's Gospel reading is from Matthew. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these twelve after instructing them thus, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. So for our reading today, we have, I always call these certain readings the more basic readings, the foundational readings. In other words, Jesus is doing his basic thing, but he's also in the process of founding the church to continue his work. So if anybody ever needs a mission statement for their parish, and they think it's about having more meetings or having more social events that, that, I mean, I can see having social events as long as they're connected to the mission of the parish. Um, but anyway, this is the mission. I, I want to focus. It's so funny when I read a reading, the Lord says things to me in the very reading, even though I prepared other things and I will get to them. But what really struck me when I just read this just now is go out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He isn't there to convince the Pharisees. He isn't there to save the rich thinking, well, you know, save them and it'll trickle down to everybody else. No. Go first to the house of Israel, right? Because eventually it's going to be Gentiles as well. But it starts with Israel. Jesus, Jesus is Jewish, right? The Jews are the chosen people. So it starts with Israel, but it starts with the poor of Israel. It starts with the sick. It starts with the possessed. It starts with the outcasts. And then he says, cure the sick, raise the dead, raise the dead. Imagine if that was your mission statement, your job, uh, you know, description. Yeah. Today we're going to raise a couple dead. You know, that's, that's what you do. That's what we do here. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers which is once again, unthought of drive out demons. Once again, unthought of without cost, you have received without cost. You are to give, even though in another place, he says the worker is worth his wage, but still we get the point. It's not about trying to get paid with an attachment to money, things like that, but helping people, loving people, 
and doing it in a miraculous way. The miracles are not simply to draw attention, to dazzle us. But at the same time, you can say the opposite extreme when it comes to this issue. He doesn't just say, go out and be nice to everybody. Make everybody feel good about themselves. Make everybody complacent in their sins. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, cure the sick. Another big part of Jesus's mission that we see very clearly that he will later share with the apostles is the forgiveness of sins. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you hold bound are held bound. And that's what Jesus is doing all along too. He doesn't give them that mission right away because the Holy Spirit has yet to be given to the apostles. But one piece that I left out, because this is what I want him to focus on today, pronounce to them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is such a, and it says at the beginning too, Jesus was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And then he was doing all those other things, curing diseases, driving out demons. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's interesting. See, the rich and the leaders, they thought when the Messiah comes, he will establish the kingdom on earth, meaning we will conquer the Romans. And then look at me, Mr. Pharisee. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to get lots of credit for this. I'm going to have an even wealthier way of life now. Even though God told them in the Old Testament to take care of the poor, to take care of the needy, <coughs> they're thinking of themselves. So Jesus says, go to the poor and tell them the kingdom is here. If you're a poor person or a sick person, let's just say you're a sick person cooped up in the hospital all day. Do you care who's running the government at that moment? I mean, yeah, in the long run, it does affect you. And yeah, sure, I guess, you know, you're going to vote if you're still with it. But do you really care that much about the politics? Or rather, are you just desperate to get rid of your sickness, to get rid of the demon, to have your sins forgiven? So this is where Jesus is coming from. And this is where the poor are coming from. And he wants to save the poor. He came. That is what the kingdom is is. And it's not just, a lot of times we get caught up in this, this idea that it's just about heaven. You know, I wonder if, I'm sure there's a heresy. I don't know that there is one though, a, a, a heresy that we have named that says it's heretical to just focus on heaven and not address the things here on earth. I know there are heresies that focus on just worrying about the kingdom here on earth and not focusing on heaven. But I guess it goes with there's there's a lot of heresies that have to do with uh, the n neglect of the body, the neglect of the flesh, even just to say Jesus didn't even come in the flesh. Um, heresies like Gnosticism, Manichaeanism, uh, Jansenism. Jansenism is one of the more recent ones. And... St. Louis de Montfort was fighting Jansenism. Pope John Paul was fighting uh, in his theology. The body really is a continuation of a lot of what St. Louis de Montfort taught, this affirmation of the body, an affirmation of God's creation, but in a balanced way. So there's a balance. It's not, we're not doing this. Jesus doesn't just come and say, well, 
I've come to open heaven, so even though the rest of your life is really going to stink, uh, at least you can go to heaven when you die. And let's just focus on that now. And let's get really morbid in the stuff that we talk about. All that matters is judgment day and death. <clears throat> nope. It's not what Jesus does. Jesus, yes, promises us heaven. I mean, you know, your your reward will be great in heaven. There's There's lots and lots of talk about heaven as our true home. The thing is, we need to talk about heaven because it's our reference point. It's the star that guides us. It's uh, our goal. It's, and, and even the other day, a priest that I'm good friends with corrected me to say, this isn't about some trophy you get in the end. This is about how you get there. It's about the whole process. And the kingdom of God being at hand is, what it means is in this very day, today, we're going to see God work. Today, we're going to see God's grace. We might see miraculous healings. We're going to pray for them. And we see them a lot. And we see prayers answered, even if it's not exactly what you wanted. We're going to get stronger on the inside. We're going to get courage. We're going to get wisdom. We're going to get the gifts of the Spirit. But we're also going to get the fruits of the Spirit. And I really feel more than anything else, that's when, when Jesus is telling us to rejoice here in this world, rejoice this very day, He's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit, once again, they're pure gift. They're not like virtues. I always talk about this. Virtues are something you have to work on, and that's to perfect your soul so that you are capable of going to heaven. But even in this world, we want to perfect ourselves and become better people. Gifts are not something you so much have to work on, but something given through the sacraments and something we pray to activate. Things like courage and wisdom and counsel. Dear Lord, please give me the words to say to this person that's asking me these questions. That's the gift of counsel. Dear Lord, I really hate this person. Please give me the gift of piety to better love the things, the people that you love. Okay, and then God will give that gift. And we grow in patience. We grow in charity, even when we didn't have it. So the gifts are freely given, yet they still have to do with service. They still have to do with spreading the kingdom. And that's very, very important. And it's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing to be part of. But then there's the fruits of the Spirit that I, I feel like they're slightly different because they begin with you and me as individuals. They're similar to the gifts of the Spirit. They're, they're available through the sacraments, through being in the state of grace. We can call upon them in, in prayer like, Lord Jesus, please give me your peace. Please give me your joy. Please give me your love. Um, but they begin with me and that's what it's all about. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what your external circumstances are, you could be in poverty, you could be wealthy. Notice so many wealthy people are so miserable and so many poor people are so happy. Some might say, well, that's just because they don't know any better. Uh, I beg to differ because there's a lot of pain that other people go through that we don't know about that they would love to be free of if that were God's will. But what do the fruits of the Spirit do? The fruits of the Spirit make you joyful from the inside out. They make you peaceful. There's a peace that we get. I had crazy dreams last night, and I can't wait to my holy hour where I'm going to say, Lord, <laughs> what the heck, man? <laughs> I need you to tell me about these dreams. And you know, the Lord, he might not give me all the answers. Because it might not be his will that I know every little thing, that I understand it all. Sometimes he wants us to be patient and work things out over time. But he will smile at me 
in that prayer. He will give me his peace. I can count on it. And he will give me some wisdom, some insight to grow. And that's what prayer is all about. It's the longing of the heart, the yearning of the heart that reaches out to him so that the heart gets bigger, so that we learn to rely more and more on the spirit. We are preparing for heaven, but we're also learning how to live in this world. When I was thinking about what the kingdom really looks like, what it's all about, I'm so sorry, I thought I had turned that off. It's my phone. But when we think about what the kingdom is really like, what it really looks like, and you know, my phone, the the screaming goats are going to scream because uh, I thought I turned the ringer off. It turns out that I didn't. Got to wait for this to stop ringing. I, I don't understand this current phone that I have. It doesn't always do what I want it to do. Anyway, I was thinking about our saint for today, Juan Diego. Now, by this world's standards, this guy lived the most boring, meaningless life. Yet, the kingdom of God arrived for him big time. Can you say big time? I mean, he's, he's one of the most fortunate people to have ever lived on this earth. First of all, the Blessed Mother appeared to him. But then that he, he received a vocation from her. The vocation, you know, when, when we're going to celebrate in a couple of days, Mary appeared in outside Mexico City. She had a message for the bishop and she made her image appear on Juan Diego's tilma. There's a whole story that goes with it. It's a beautiful story. We'll tell it in a couple of days from now. Juan Diego then became the keeper of the tilma and he lived the rest of his life guarding the tilma. He lived the rest of his life uh, as a hermit in this little chapel. He had a room right off the side of the chapel. The chapel housed the tilma, and he was there to guard it, and he was there to tell the story over and over and over again for the rest of his life. By worldly standards, you'd think, the poor guy, you know, he had nothing. He was poor. He lived in a little church. How boring, Right. But Juan Diego was a saint. Juan Diego was filled with the spirit. Juan Diego loved his life. He was given a task by the Blessed Mother to tell people about this great miracle. And because he did his job, now we can still talk about it today. And there are still miracles through the the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Big miracles. She's the patroness of the pro-life movement. How many times there have been pro-life victories after praying through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but also physical healings, spiritual healings. So many people inspired. I was able to see the tilma myself in, uh, I think it was, I want to say it was Christmas right before, you know, the, the feast day, December 12th of 02. It was either 02 or 03. I think it was 02. And, uh, it was amazing. And I was permitted to get close and to just, just go up on the altar and just pray in front of it for a little bit. And uh, beautiful, beautiful, amazing, an experience I'll never forget. And then I was able to take part in the Mass. It was the first feast day Mass of Juan Diego. He had just been canonized. Anyway, this man, he lived as a hermit. His job was to talk about the tilma once again on the surface people hearing me might think oh man christianity how boring but this man had so much joy to the end of his days with this great task to which he was called 
He was, he represented our lady. He represented our Lord and the kingdom lived within him. And he learned so many lessons and he was filled with so much love and joy and peace. And he led so many countless others to the love, joy, and peace of the kingdom. I was thinking another person that can tell us this time of the year what the kingdom looks like is Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> if you bear with me for a moment, uh, we were, some of us were talking, you know, what's your favorite, uh, you know, Christmas Carol movie. And people are like, Oh, I like the original. I'm like which one? There's so many originals there. There's like 40 Christmas Carol movies out there. There's so many of them. And every particular group in society has, and not maybe not in society, but in uh, like television and movies, they've all had their particular version of the Christmas Carol. Either that or It's a Wonderful Life. Um, last night I watched uh, the Muppets Christmas Carol. Believe it or not, even though it's funny and it's got some extra songs added to it, uh, the dialogue in the movie is very faithful to Dickens. Um, but let's talk about how the kingdom is present there. It's very obvious, really. It's not about an earthly kingdom. It's about a man whose fortunes in this world do not change. He, on the one hand, I mean, well, throughout it, he's very successful. He's very wealthy. He's one of the wealthiest men in London. We all know the stories, at least most of us do. And at the beginning, well, we're shown by his old partner, Jacob Marley, that he, he's in hell and, and Scrooge is on his way to hell, too. Scrooge's hell is going to be even worse than Marley's because he's got more time to forge more chains. Okay? So he's got, a, a, you'd think he's got the best of this world, but no, I mean, okay, I guess he does. But the point is, on the one hand, he's headed for hell. We said this wasn't all about just the, the afterlife, but it's partly about the afterlife. That, that's the reference point. That's the starting point. But then he's given a chance to see how miserable he is. For all his wealth, he has no joy. And in the end, after he sees it all, after he sees all the misery that he himself has caused, he decides to change. And he's especially, his heart is especially touched by Tiny Tim. By, once again, what is our Lord all about in this gospel reading and in the spreading of his kingdom? He goes to the poor, the lame, the sick, and that's even mentioned in the story. And it gets you all teared up as Tiny Tim is the one lecturing us <laughs> about who it was that cured the sick, who it was that helped those in need. So Scrooge's heart is turned, and after his visits from the spirits are over. And when he wakes up Christmas morning, he's still the same guy. He still has the same wealth, but what does he do now? Now he gives it away. Now he's a man of love and joy and peace. He still lives in the same London. We, we, we know nothing about their government from the movie. We know nothing about the, the kingdom of, of Britain and, and what's exactly happening with it at this time in history. Cause that's not important. Everybody's still in the same spot they were before the visits from the spirits. But now this man has found the Lord. He's found the ability to be joyful and it's through giving and kindness. And therefore, as he goes through the rest of his life, he's able to share that love, that kindness with all the people around him. 
So many of these people are already living a life of joy because it doesn't come from wealth. But now they're able to share some wealth while they're able to share the joy. It's less about him sharing his money. It's more about him being attentive to Tiny Tim, to everybody else, and uh, spreading that joy. Of course, they focus on Christmas. It's Christmas joy, you know, but it's really the joy of the kingdom. The kingdom has come to Ebenezer Scrooge, and therefore... Uh, that's going to be contagious. The kingdom is going to spread more and more and more through this man with this great influence. Uh, And he's really, you know, when the Lord comes to the poor and the lame and the sick, he was the poorest of them all. And he was the one that needed the greatest change. So, but sometimes, as our Lord did himself with the Pharisees, sometimes you have to hit a little harder with those that are, their heads are a little thicker. So anyway, we, uh, as we prepare once again through this Advent season, preparing our hearts for Christmas, but also just in general, preparing our hearts for the Lord, we remember what it means. The kingdom of God is among us and we have that privilege. We have that honor that Jesus invites us to be a part of it. Have a great day. God bless you.